Welcome to episode number 47 of Radio 815, the podcast dedicated to examining the work of writer-director J.J. Abrams, as well as his greater Bad Robot universe. I'm your host, my name is Marcelo Inostroza, joined as always by my fellow co-host, Matt Crandall, and on today's edition of the show, we'll be looking at Lost, Season 3, Episodes 5 through 7. So first up, in that batch, is the episode entitled, The Cost of Living. So The Cost of Living is an echo flashback episode, and as we're going through the action with the flashbacks, I liked seeing more of Echo as a priest and how all of that went down. But the on-island stuff with Echo and the visions he was having of Yemi really rubbed me the wrong way because the 23rd Psalm from last year did such a great job of Echo putting his brother to rest and having to go through these motions to to recover the body of Yemi that for most of the episode, I was like, why are the writers doing this? This doesn't make any sense because it undercuts that great episode from last year. And then, of course, in the final moments of this episode, they redeem themselves in terms of story and why this is happening. But I still felt that this episode kind of kind of frustrates me with the Echo stuff, because he was a character I got really attached to and thought there was a lot more gas in the tank. And by the end of this episode, it's the farewell to Mr. Echo, which I thought came too early for a character that had so much more depth to explore. I was really curious to see what you were going to say about this episode, specifically because you have said various times on the podcast that you don't like when Lost gets too metaphysical, uh, too religious, uh, to use a better word. And I thought the the images of Yemi really were haunting and they didn't really make any sense. I really wanted to get your take on that, specifically what you thought about the religious symbolism throughout him having all these uh, images of Yemi, basically. Yeah, you know, and like I said, sometimes it goes it goes both ways for me. Like I don't mind some of the religious stuff if it gets too religious supernatural together, I start to shy away. So it annoyed me for most of this episode just because like I said I thought that the 23rd Psalm episode was such a good wrapping up of the Yemi on the island haunting echo storyline that the fact that that came back really bothered me. But then, of course, in the end, they reveal when Echo has those final moments and Yemi says, you speak to me as if I were your brother. And Echo goes, who are you? And then realizes that this has actually been the black smoke monster and not Yemi. Then I was like, okay, I can I can handle what they've been doing, but I still don't love it. But I just, yeah, sometimes it veers too far away from that for me. I did like the fact that Mr. Echo finally admitted he didn't ask for the life that he was given. He did. He basically did the best that he could with what he was given. 
he wasn't ashamed for protecting his brother and that he was finally able to get a measure of peace. So that's the only thing that I sort of took away from this episode. Like you, this episode didn't play too well for me. I, I didn't hate it as much as you did, but I could have lived with it or lived without it, to be honest. But that ending stinger, when Echo dies and when John, you know, basically takes Echo's last words, you know, all that he says is, he goes, we're next. I was like, what? Because I completely forgot that. And that got me so charged uh, for the next episode. This episode didn't end on that line. And I thought that it should have. Yeah, well, especially because that's such a awesome, an awesome part where it's like, what? You know, there's more of them that are in, are in danger of this. That was kind of uh, a shocking thing for sure. The other uh, uh, thing about this episode that I found very interesting was they really didn't let the mystery of why Ben wanted Jack on the island in the first place. They really put it all out there. I particularly liked the way that they did it. What did you think about that? Yeah, I did like that. I thought my favorite parts of this episode were the stuff on Hydra Island where, you know, Jack figures out everything that's going on. And I love when Juliet shows him the video and she's talking to him and he's watching that video. Uh, that was some of like the cool, the cool weird stuff that Lost sometimes throws in where you're like, what is going on? Because finally we're seeing deeper shades to Juliet um, than we have previously thought. So I really liked that. Now, when you were watching this, Marcelo, did you think that we could trust that Juliet actually wants Ben dead? Or did you think this was some sort of psychological mind fuck on Jack to make sure that he would do the surgery properly? Today, I would say I trust Juliet, but back in the day when I was watching this, what Juliet's true motives were, I would, to be honest, I really started to see the evilness in Ben in this episode for a particular reason because since he was introduced if you've been listening to the show I've been head over heels for Ben basically you know but mm. for some reason his performance in this episode really made me start to hate him yeah. and I don't know I don't know if subconsciously you start to get in my head Matt or if <laughs> or if I'm just not in a good place right now but I just started to hate him. I started to uh, uh, not relish Michael Emerson's performance in this in, in this specific episode. But as far as uh, Juliet is concerned, I think that I am a little bit too biased of the character that she becomes. So right. all of her actions early on, I can forgive. But back in the day, to be honest, I, I was just along for the ride and, and I didn't know what the hell was going to happen. Oh, for sure. Now, I got to say my least favorite part, you know, I didn't love this episode that much because of what they do to Echo. And I remember on the Internet, there were whispers that this happened not because of any sort of story or character motivation, but because of behind the scenes stuff that they just wanted that actor off the show. 
So I don't know. I don't I haven't looked it up lately. I just remember those being like the swirlings and kind of feeling cheated that that was such a good character who gets brushed off really easily. Not a good character who I'm hoping gets brushed off very easily is Nikki and Paulo both show up in this episode and they tag along with some of the main losties as they go on this mission. And I just love that they feel so shoehorned in and Nikki says to Paulo, I think like you're complaining all the time that you're not being included with the main group. So let's go with them. And I'm like, Oh my God, like this is really not working. The writers are trying to get, get these people into the action and pretend like they've been here the whole time. And it's just not flying. Um, so I, that was my least favorite part of an episode. I didn't particularly love. And then one of my other favorite parts though, where I will praise it, that smoke monster showdown and how echo does go out was very cool and interesting. And I love that there is a point in the episode where Locke quotes an old echo line and Locke says, do not mistake coincidence for fate. And I thought that that was awesome because that was a great line that Mr. Echo had last season. And for now Locke to be that the guy who's saying that rather than the guy who's always looking for fate uh, was really interesting in an episode that, yeah, for me is middle of the road lost just because of the circumstances. But to move off of one of your points, those two characters, the, what are the fuck? Nick, Nicky and Paolo. Yeah. Thank you. I couldn't give two scores of piss about them. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Like, I just like, why? Makes no sense. It doesn't matter. What did you think of the sexual tension between Sawyer and Kate in this episode? What were your initial thoughts on it back in the day and today? So they are starting to slowly build that relationship up. And I remember like Sawyer and Kate are two of my favorite characters, but I never really thought that they should be the ones together. So I remember thinking like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not loving this. And even on a rewatch, I like that they have a good back and forth in chemistry, but I don't necessarily want them together as a couple. So I like that they're good at bantering because they both have such similarities in that they both know how to do a con, but I, the other parts of it just kind of feel like a little bit forced to me. And on that note, we move on to the next episode that we're going to cover this week, an episode entitled I Do. So this is a Kate flashback episode. And one of my favorite things is whenever you're watching an episode of Lost and somebody who Sometimes they're already a big star and sometimes they're not. And they pop up and you're like, oh my God, it's this person. And in the previous episode, there was a nun who was played by Hen from Fox's 911, which is a great show that I really enjoy. And then this episode, the flashbacks kick off with Kate and Nathan freaking Fillion shows up. And I was like, hell yes. Captain Mal, what are we doing? Where are we going? Uh, you know, the rookie himself, anything, anytime Fillion pops up in anything, it's always enjoyable. And in these flashbacks, we find out that there was a time where Kate 
actually thought she was going to go straight for a while and met a man played by Fillion, who's a police officer, fell in love, got married, and then eventually stuff goes sideways. And it was kind of heartbreaking to see that her past has haunted her so much that even when she tries to go straight, it it's always something is pushing her back into that life of being on the run. And because they cast Fillion, who's so charismatic, we understand why she would, like, I don't think it's a con, you know, the whole time, if it was a Sawyer episode, I'd be wondering, is this all a con that we're seeing when they're getting married? But because it's Fillion, I'm like, nope, this is just a, a charming guy. And Kate has actually fallen in love. Uh, did you think it was some sort of con Marcelo, or did you think that Kate was actually in love as we were watching this? Before I address that, when the flashback started and Kate was in the hotel and um, and she answered the door, away, it's Nathan Fillion. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I, I went crazy in my head. But in particularly all throughout the course of this episode, I was really doubting Kate's motives. And I was really on the fence up until the very end of this episode, whether or not she was going to stay. But I thought the acting in particular from Evangeline Lilly in this episode was just a standout. And I particularly didn't like that she found it necessary to call the the, the worst FBI agent of all time. But that scene served a really good purpose in making the audience understand that no matter how far Kate runs away, that she's eventually going to have to run because her past is going to catch up with her eventually. The character that Nathan Fillion plays sets up a trip for them to go to Hawaii, if I'm not mistaken. In order for them to go on the trip, Kate needs her passport. I, I just love um, this episode for the acting and the, the, the fact that Kate tried to settle down but she ultimately couldn't yeah and that trying to settle down and ultimately couldn't is sort of kate's curse because even when she is happy and the reason she phones that agent is because she realizes like she's always looking over her shoulder and she can't truly be happy until she doesn't have to do that anymore so she calls him hoping that i don't know what she was hoping to accomplish but you know he tells her like, as long as you're still running, I'll still chase you. And, um, that's kind of part of Kate's deal is that no matter what she does, she just can't stop running, which is such a shame. And yeah, it is that trip that, that prompts this. She realizes there's a countdown now on because her passport won't work and her ID might not hold up. So I did find that fascinating. And of course, right before she drugs, uh, Kevin played by Fillion is when he is doing research on like outstanding fugitives and stuff. So there was a chance because of his profession, this was going to come out anyway. So Kate kind of gets ahead of it and drugs him and then moves on, which is heartbreaking. But Evangeline absolutely killed this episode. Just phenomenal. Some of her best work of the series so far in those flashbacks for sure. The on-island stuff with Kate, I didn't love as much as the flashback stuff. Well, with the, the Kate 
it's the Kate and Sawyer stuff is what ramps up. And like I said, I wasn't a huge fan of that. So when they finally have their sweaty cage sex, um, it, it's just like, like I get, I get the animalistic urges and stuff, but it's like, eh. and then the fact that Ben sets it up so that Jack sees it. It's like, you son of a bitch. This is just some pervy creep shit. I was really dreading getting to this episode because I know a behind the scenes story from this particular episode. And that story in a nutshell is that when Evangeline Lilly had to film this crazy sex cage scene with Sawyer, she was very uncomfortable to the point that um, moving forward, she just told the Lost Riders that, listen, you guys can write whatever you want, but I will never feel that vulnerable on the show again, which is really interesting because the scene is very, very tame and very, very quick, but there is some lovey-dovey stuff after they initially sleep together, which is the stuff that you were referencing, Matt, when Ben lets Jack see uh, that Kate and Sawyer have slept together. All right, enough about that fucking bullshit. <laughs> I just loved the acting in this episode. I, I thought that there was a specific level of intensity that wasn't quite the norm for uh, Lost, basically from everyone in the cast. Uh, so if you could just comment on that, what do you think about that, Matt, the, the the level of intensity that this episode had to it? I think you are right. And they really start ramping up the intensity as this episode goes because Jack gets super intense as the episode goes where he starts to do the surgery and, you know, the Kate and Sawyer stuff gets intense as they have their physical connection, but then also when that guy comes because he wants to um, kill Sawyer because he still wants revenge for his wife, Colleen dying. All of that is really starting to get super intense. Um, So I think, you know, even Michael Emerson, because he's before the surgery, he's trying to, to ramp up the intensity to put the pressure on Jack so that Jack will just do what he says and follow through that this does feel like the tension and everything gets turned up to 10 about halfway through this episode as the shit starts to hit the fan repeatedly. So I think you're definitely right. Everybody was super intense in this one. I particularly like the scene when Kate is taken out of the cages and is finally and is finally taken to Jack. Evangeline Lily's performance in that specific moment, the first time I watched the show and in subsequent re- rewatches, made me understand that the writers wrote it in such a way that no matter what happens on the show, it's going to be Kate and Jack all the way through. Like like they are going to end up together. And for someone who loves romantic stories specifically, well, I, I think romantic stories in the JJ in the in the bad robot verse are particularly well done, 
But this is my favorite uh, romantic story. My second favorite is one that we're going to get to further down the road when we talk about another show. But I, I just, I was, I was blown away by this episode. And uh, on that note, uh, we move to the final episode that we're going to talk about this week, entitled "Not in Portland." So this one is a great episode. Partly because the on-island stuff is still super intense as Kate and Sawyer are on the run while Jack is still, you know, holding Ben hostage basically during this operation. And we throw Alex and Carl into the mix. So I did like all of the on-island stuff, but the most fascinating part of this episode is it is a Juliet flashback episode. So the character that we have only known for seven episodes, finally we get some backstory into how she became part of the Dharma Initiative and got on this island. And not only do we see that, this episode features the first, I think it's the first, first time that I feel like we've seen him, the first meeting of Richard Alpert, who also ends up being a much bigger character than at first glance. One of my favorite characters in Lost History is Juliet. So I really, really like the fact that we got her backstory. When she was approached by a specific organization, I just about hit the roof when I saw our favorite Canadian pop up again. I, I like Tom Cruise's cousin. I don't know why. I think, I think he's cool. And Ethan's got like something about him, partly because he does have a very interesting face, but also this character, because we've known him in like lots of different incarnations of the, the sneaky guy pretending to be one of them, the creepy guy in love with Claire on the Island. And then now this like just calm, cool, Ethan, it's, it's nice to see these different sides of him, uh, before his untimely death, when he gets m murdered down the road. <laughs> The one thing that I that, that I was saying all, all throughout the flashbacks, in particular, when Juliet was getting this offer to work for this organization, and she basically said, "No, I have some other obligations. My husband will 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 not let me leave. He's very controlling. The only way that my husband will ever let me leave is if he, if he gets hit by a bus." The second that she said that, I was like. That's a very, very poor choice of words. <laughs> the actor who plays Juliet's estranged husband is a very, is, is a very good uh, character actor, but I can't remember his name, but I, I really like uh, when he's in stuff. He pops up everywhere, but when he gets smacked by that bus, it was just golden. It was, <laughs> it was just amazing to get him to, to, to see him get impaled by the bus. I thought that Juliet's sister but I thought that cancer was her primary problem. I had no I I completely forgot that she was trying to get pregnant. Yeah, what did you think about that uh storyline wrinkle? Well, I did like it because now we're learning more about what Juliet did. So she is some sort of like fertility scientist expert and I didn't remember that aspect of her character, to be honest with you, uh, which totally makes sense for why they would want her on the island and all the stuff that we know about 
um, you know, maternity and, and that kind of stuff happening on the island. But I had completely forgotten. And in those flashbacks, the fact that her husband is played by, yeah, one of the best character actors on TV, Jelko Ivanic, who literally now, like being a, a asshole is his thing. He is so good at it. Um, he was one of the main like villains on Damages a few years ago, which was a show I loved, but he's been on, yeah, everything. Uh, True Blood, Heroes, House, Big Love, like tons of tons of different stuff. So he is one of the best. But the second he shows up, you're like, oh, Juliet's ex-husband is a dick. <laughs> like it's it's this guy. There's no way that he's a nice guy. He never plays nice guy. And I hate in shows. Typically, if you're watching TV, you would be convinced that people unexpectedly get hit by a bus on a daily basis <laughs> because it happens like on so many shows when they're trying to to scare you or give you a jolt or a surprise death. It's always somebody accidentally gets hit by a bus or gets hit by a car and it's always filmed the same way. But because of the callback to it earlier where Juliet says it, we're kind of waiting for it and we're kind of hoping. We're hoping like, tell me, this is the one time I want some weird, creepy, supernatural shit to go down on Lost because Edmund is such a dink that we're just, we know that Juliet does go with Richard and Ethan for this job. So we're just waiting and waiting for this guy to meet his untimely end. And when he does, it is, you know, one of those chef's kiss moments where it's like, perfect. Fuck that guy. Like my favorite thing about this episode in particular is just the chaos that is happening around, around Ben's surgery. The fact that Juliet knows enough about Jack to, to, to understand that Jack is basically holding an empty threat and won't let Ben die is just unbelievably cunning and smart on Juliet's part. The first time that I um, watched this episode, I was really intrigued when Ben actually wakes up during the procedure and he asks to see Juliet. And when Juliet goes to see him, all that we see is Jack and Mr. Friendly in the observation area. The director of this episode does something very, very particular, he zooms in on Ben's lips. And when he did that, I, I thought to myself, where is Ethan Hunt when you need him? It, it, I was very surprised to find out that Juliet has been on the island for three years. And Ben basically said, if you convince Jack to operate on me, I will finally let you go home. Back in the day, when you saw that whole scene play out, what was going through your head? I think the main thing that it brought up for me was that to this point, we have been under the impression that everybody in the Dharma initiative wants to be in the Dharma initiative. And this is showing that Juliet did take this job. And as they tell her, it's not, it's not in Portland, like the night, the name of the episode implies. But what we didn't know is that, when you decide you don't want to be part of this anymore, they don't just let you go home. Obviously we don't know how many people are still here kind of against their will and just working with Ben because they feel like they're forced to. So I thought that was super interesting that she said, 
I've been on this island for three years. And what Ben told me is if you did the surgery, I could go home. And it's like Jack in that moment is starting to realize that maybe she, like if she is also a prisoner like they are, then it shines a different light on Juliet. And I did love when she saves the day and guns down the guy who wanted to kill Sawyer. That was great. And the, the Jack, you know, not knowing that this is a separate Island when he sets this whole thing in motion. And then Kate Sawyer and Alex needing the help to find the boat to get off because there's now more wrinkles to this plan that Jack had that things aren't going so smooth because it's not an easy, they can just get an hour head start and run back to their beach. There's so many more wrinkles. So I did love that. As you said, chaos as stuff starts to go down. And one of the creepy, weird things that Lost did, um, they go to rescue Carl, Alex's, you know, boyfriend or whatever he is. And when they show up to rescue him, it's a very Star Wars moment. And they say, Aldo, who's the guard outside, fell for the, the Wookiee prisoner trick which is a favorite moment. And the guy who's playing the guard outside is Rob McElhenney from it's always sunny in Philadelphia and mythic quest. One of my favorite comedic actors. And he just shows up on lost gets smashed in the face with a gun and that's it. So that was another, this, this batch all had like very small cameos by people who now are like huge TV stars. So I thought that was really interesting, but Carl is in this clockwork orange kind of messed up room. And so that made me question like even more of like, what the hell is this Dharma initiative doing? They're making this poor kid watch these horrible videos. And like, what has he done that they feel that this is what needs to happen to him. And then at the end, when we find out that Juliet has been wanting to leave, it's like, okay, we knew that there was something sinister going on, but we now know it's even more sinister than we thought. And I can't remember if it was this episode or the last episode. One of the others also mentioned, well, Shepard wasn't even on Jacob's list. So I don't know why Ben brought him here. Uh, and that also added questions on who the fuck is Jacob and is Ben not the top dog and added more questions that this season hopefully we'll answer because this episode was so great for the exciting action, but the heartbreak of Juliet's past and all these questions now that we have, like what is happening? What is this Dharma initiative all about? What did you think Marcelo? Back in the day. And even now, like, like I, I remember very, very little about this season, but I do remember strong pillars of it. And I am so happy that you brought up uh, a name, Jacob. When I heard that said, I was like, oh, they planted that this early? Was that just like a throwaway line? Were they just planting the seeds for season six already? The last thing that I will say about this episode is that I particularly liked the scene when Jack forces Mr. Friendly to... Uh, confirm that Kate and Sawyer were getting uh, safely off the island. And I particularly like the callback 
to the lost pilot where Jack has Kate tell him the story of when they first met. I really enjoyed that particular moment of this episode. But with that being said, I think that'll do it for this edition of the show. Um, Listen, guys, if you like anything that we do here, there is a couple ways to reach out to us. One way is to hash uh, is to hashtag us on Twitter at Radio815. If you don't have a Twitter, we have an email address. It's Radio815 at AOL.com. And if you really, really want to scream at us, uh, we have an official Twitter. It's at uh, JJUniverse815. But if you send us any nasty um, comments, we're going to feed you to the smoke monster. So with all that being said and out of the way, Matt, if the good folks at home want to reach you, what would be the best place to do so? The best spot is on Twitter at Matt Crandall. And if you guys want to reach me, also the best spot to do that is on Twitter. I'm at CreekFanatic88. But until next time, as I say often, we'll talk back soon.